Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio and octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is May 6, 2016, and we're very pleased to have for the very first time here James Hansen, CEO of Hampshire Real estate companies. He speaks to us from their headquarters in Morristown, New Jersey. Jimmy Hansen, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, thanks for having me on the air. So, Jimmy, you are president and CEO of Hampshire, your third, which is a third-generation investment real estate firm there out of New Jersey. You're the co-chair of the new Rutgers University Center of Real Estate Studies. You're an advisor to multiple endowment funds and pension plans throughout the country on real estate ventures. You have over 100 employees to, managing 259 properties in 28 states, 23 million square feet. Thanks for taking time for us today. My pleasure. So I know that Hampshire is a third generation investment firm, a real estate firm. Give us a brief history of Hampshire, will you? Well, sure. I think the first thing is, first and foremost, we're a real estate company, uh, not just a fund manager, and we run all aspects of the spectrum of real estate. Uh, We're a developer, we buy existing real estate, uh, we manage, we operate, and then we have this investment platform. The investment platform is to service a range of our investors, foundations, endowments, public pension plans, uh, private investors into different types of investment vehicles since most investors have specific objectives that we try to tailor uh, both with regard to risk as well as uh, their overall objectives uh, that they're trying to achieve. So tell us, uh, your grandfather started the company, and I believe he has a particular distinction. Tell us about that, will you? Well, my grandfather did start. He started in 1922, uh, went off on his own in 1955. So last year we celebrated 60 years uh, independent. But my grandfather built the first suburban industrial park in the country right after World War II in a town called Teterboro, New Jersey, which is about 10 minutes from the George Washington Bridge. Wow, and so that was in the, the the mid to late 40s there. Yeah, so if you look at it, you can blame him for all those one-story uh, warehouses that you see littered throughout the Inland Empire. Okay, and so your father came next, and then you're the third-generation CEO? Yeah, I'll tell a funny story about my dad. Uh, so he got into the business, and unfortunately my grandfather took sick and died relatively young. And just before he died, he said to my dad, the one thing that you shouldn't do is go into the shopping center development business. And about three years later, my dad went into the shopping center development business. So when you add to our platform, we do both industrial, we do uh, shopping centers, uh, we'll invest in self-storage, office, medical office. So we have a pretty diverse uh, asset sectors that we cover for real estate. And your dad, I understand, is still around, but you run the company. Well, he loves to say right now, it's uh, that's above my pay grade. And how I interpret that is, is that all the uh, the tough stuff comes to me, and all the stuff that's the glamorous stuff he does. So uh, he basically focuses on those things he likes to do, which is uh, looking at deals and assessing deals for investment. 
Well, that, that sounds like a great opportunity. So tell us very briefly, starting out here, Jimmy, from a 10,000-foot uh, view, what do you see happening in the world of real estate in the U.S. over the next five years? Well, Charlie, I first have to say that's kind of a loaded question because when you talk about two things, uh, the U.S. and real estate, and both are very wide and diverse. Uh, so I think you have to first take a look at the United States and over the next five years, where are we going as an economy? And that, of course, is anybody's guess. And it also breaks down into regions as well. So if you were in the oil patch right now, it's probably a depression in some of the markets from a real estate perspective. And if you're in the tech area, uh, it's probably a boom market. And then if you're in other areas, there's ups and downs throughout and from an economic basis. And at the end of the day, when you look at real estate, real estate is what provides the engine for business to be conducted. And as a consequence, we are definitely tied to different cycles within the real estate. Well, I was just going to ask, what opportunities then do you see by type of real estate and by geography that you're actually pursuing that you recognize currently in the U.S.? Yeah, I'll talk by the asset sectors uh, in terms of where we are right now. And if you look at it coming out of the global financial crisis and the recovery, there's been a lot of activity on the multifamily front. And at first was by direct investment into existing real estate. And as the recovery started to really take hold, you saw a lot of development. And it's across all the markets. And as, as a consequence, where we are right now, we're basically, I would say, heading towards an oversupply situation from the amount of new product that's come in. And I think that's going to start to impact the return expectations, especially when you look at it from an investment side. The cap rate has compressed substantially because of how that uh, sector has recovered. So we're pretty bearish right now on multifamily. Now, some markets had a lot more construction than others, and so there's always pockets of opportunity with regard to that. If you move then to, say, industrial, industrial is another where uh, because of e-commerce and uh, the flow of goods globally around the world, uh, industrial did uh, start to recover fundamentals uh, pretty strong. And as a result, uh, we've seen a lot of rent growth. Of course, when that happens, it's the one asset sector where new product can come online really quick, and we're starting to see that. And so there's been this rising demand, and that demand then followed with a rising supply. And I think in 2016, it's kind of at equilibrium uh, from a supply-demand standpoint. So we also saw the investor community move into their last couple of years, and so rates have compressed there as well from a return perspective on the going-in cap rate. So we're a little nervous about the industrial, not because of the underlying fundamentals, more so from the prices being paid. Office, there's been a lot of movement of capital into office. The employment, office using employment, continues to grow. And as a consequence, we've been seeing that market's uh, starting to heal. And uh, there hasn't been as much development there because it had a long way to go to recover. Uh, the jobs report today was not as strong as people thought. So that's something that uh, uh, is somewhat of a concern. I, however, what I would say Office is one of those cyclical type of asset sectors, and if we think sometime in the next 
few years, there'll be a recession. It's a situation where new supply is coming online just in time probably for a recession. So it's also we're bearish there. And those are the traditional, what I'll call, four food groups of real estate investing. Uh, and so as a result, you say, well, what's one to do? Uh, well, one of the areas that we focus attention is on the retail side. And on the retail, we focus primarily on what we call necessity-based retail or triple net properties, uh, both because they're long-term leased and if uh, there's a recession in the next few years, it enables us to bridge over, one, by the lease term, and then secondly, because most of it's necessity-based, that in good times, bad times, you have to eat or go to a drugstore or do uh, the necessities of life. Uh, and then the other area that we're focusing a lot of attention on is on self-storage. Uh, and we do that both by an existing as well as ground-up development, and we place a lot of emphasis there as well. Very interesting. I didn't expect you to say self-storage here. Uh, people mm-hmm. typically look at uh, you know the more high-profile and uh, uh, taller buildings uh, that have probably greater prestige, but you see opportunity in self-storage, huh? Yeah, right now, if you're looking at, because uh, everyone from an investor standpoint, is they're chasing yield. Uh, they're chasing yield across all asset sectors that are, you can invest in stocks, bonds, but also in real estate. And that chase of yield has caused different areas to start compressing in terms of types of yield, just like you would have in traditional asset sectors. Where we're starting to see capital looking to be placed are what we call the alternative in the real estate sector. That would be self-storage, senior living, and student housing. We have no track record in senior living nor student housing, but we have an extensive track record in self-storage. And so when we're looking for people that are willing to take a little bit more risk, do ground-up development, that's the sector that uh, we are looking to uh, use uh, in our investment program right now. Jimmy, we need to stop for a quick break. When we come back, we want to talk about uh, triple net leases and the opportunities you see there, as well as what do you, uh, what impact do you see rising interest rates having on the real estate markets? Again, we're talking with Jimmy Hansen, CEO of Hampshire Real Estate Company out of Morristown, New Jersey. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Jimmy Hansen, CEO of Hampshire Real Estate Companies out of Morristown, New Jersey. So, Jimmy, I know uh, one of the types of real estate investing you guys have been known for and have done a lot of over the years has been triple net leases. Tell us about those. 
Well, TripleNet leases, and where we're going to narrow primarily is uh, those leases that are long-term leased uh, in the retail area. Uh, and when you look at it, uh, you, there's all sorts of different types of TripleNet leases that are traded. Uh, they range from banks, uh, w- drugstores, uh, convenience stores. Uh, it can be a, a dollar store. Uh, so there's a n- range of triple net leases that uh, we look to trade in. And what we like about the ingredients of triple net is, first, it's a single tenant deal, uh, and it's one check that you get in rent. It's not management intensive, so it's very easy to invest in and to operate. It is long-term leased, which means that the lease term is typically anywhere from 15 years, maybe longer, maybe 20 years. Uh, the third ingredient uh, that we like about it is it's net of all expenses. So it's net of taxes, net of insurance, and net of operating co- income. And the last part is also with the length of the lease is the security in that uh, typically it's uh, high credit tenants that we look to trade with, uh, investment grade oriented, and kind of think of it as a bond proxy. Uh, however, we like to trade somewhere uh, north of 6% on the going in yield versus maybe some of the corporate debt, which would be much lower, and we're getting real estate along with it. Okay, and what are some of the disadvantages of triple net leases? Well, like in any real estate uh, area, uh, real estate is a long-term asset class, and so there's always the issue of liquidity, uh, and that's something that you have to guard against. Uh, and when you invest, and that's the thing that we find with many private investors, is stocks, bonds, you may not like the price, but you can get out tomorrow. Real estate, it's not as easy. And so as a result, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles to a lot of investors is just being in an illiquid asset sector. Uh, So that's one aspect. The other is it is single tenant, so there's a risk with regard to that tenant. And as a result, if the tenant were to default, uh, sometimes they go bankrupt and uh, you thought you had security and now you don't. And that's why it's very important not just to buy the lease itself, but also the underlying real estate. Is it something that if something were to happen to that tenant, you could do something with? And uh, so usually you're all, you're buying that under underlying real estate because the uh, tenant doesn't want to have to own that real estate, correct? Yeah, if you look at it, uh, if real estate's that conduit for a tenant to do their business, and in the retail side of the equation, they're obviously selling goods and services and other things with regard to that. So uh, they have options. Do they put money into real estate or money into their operations? And uh, the nice thing about it is uh, for us that they say, well, our business is not real estate. Our business is whatever widgets we're trying to sell. And, and therefore, there's a whole range of assets that we can look to try to acquire. And how about the fact that uh, you're locked into a particular return, and so if the economy does well and there are reasons to be able to raise the rent, you're locked into a very long period of time? Yes, so that's the trade-off. The trade-off for the security is the length of the lease. And uh, when you look at where we are in the market right now, uh, with regard to the uncertainty with the U.S. economy, the global economy, and all the volatility in the uh, public markets, uh, you can just basically clip coupons. Now, for that, there is that trade-off you just mentioned. 
Typically, there's usually a rental increase every five years, but it's set by the terms of the lease, so there's not a lot of opportunity to change the rental structure. In fact, typically none uh, with regard to that. And so that's something that when we always look at in a market where there might be rising interest rates, what you're going in cap rate. Okay. So tell us what impact do you see rising interest rates having on real estate? It can't be positive. Well, that's true, and I think that uh, you have to take a look at it. Now, first I would start with most of the asset sectors and most of the markets, there's a very healthy spread to the risk-free rate. It's uh, anywhere from 400 basis points and higher. You get a lot of top-line noise about the cap rates maybe in San Francisco and New York that are trading at a very uh, a slight gap between or spread between the risk-free rate, uh, and that gets the top-line noise. But you go behind the numbers in the area where we look on the single tenant, because it's long-term leased, there's pretty good, healthy spreads. There's a base floor that investors are willing to invest in uh, various sectors. So there is some room for rates to go up, uh, and that's something that we obviously focus our attention on. Uh, Okay, and so... Do, do, do you see uh, cap rates uh, being changed dramatically as interest rates rise? What, what do you see happening here? Well, right now, what's interesting, since the uh, first of the year, I think that the uh, cap rates have definitely flattened. Uh, so what was a cap rate compression? They have started to flatten. Uh, if you look at the major markets in, say, New York and San Francisco, uh, Chicago, L.A., Boston, and Washington, D.C., what you've seen is uh, the cap rates really haven't changed much over the last probably six quarters. Uh, and investors, because the yields are so low, started to go outside into other sectors and real estate as well as other markets because there was a pretty healthy spread between the two. We saw some cap rate compression occur in those secondary, tertiary, and other asset sectors, and we've seen a reversal of that over the last 120 days. So uh, right now everyone was kind of nervous with that first interest rate increase uh, by the Fed in December, and it, it caused a little bit of a turmoil in the marketplace. Right now I think people are kind of holding in terms of where the cap rates are. We're not seeing compression of it, nor are we seeing any significant rise at this moment. So tell us, Jimmy, for somebody who is looking to invest in real estate and they're somewhat of a novice, not overly experienced, and they're looking to invest through uh, a real estate company, what should they be most? What are the things they should be most concerned about? Well, I think the, one of the first things is what's the track record, uh, and that track record is in good times and bad times. Because uh, with anything else, when uh, you go through a period that we just went through in 2008 through 2010, uh, how do you weather that storm? And I think that there's all sorts of uh, things and lessons learned with regard to that. The second is the depth of the operational experience, because uh, things do happen. Do you have the wherewithal in which to turn things around? And then I think the third component is uh, what's the strength of the team uh, around it? Uh, and and that is not just uh, the uh, the top people, but also the bench uh, with regard to that. Uh, there's a lot of people that are baby boomers that are in the real estate business, have been for a long time. What's their bench like? Uh, have they really done the necessary things to attract good talent uh, that uh, the, the next generation can take over? 
Okay, and those are all operational questions and issues. How about uh, economy and um, and type of real estate in geography? What are the kinds of yeah. things they should really be concerned about? I presume it's not a time to invest in San Francisco or Silicon Valley, right? Well, I think that is pretty pricey right now. And uh, that the problem is not the real estate being good. It's great real estate. It's just the going and cap rate that you're paying for it uh, is so aggressive that in the face of potentially rising interest rates, you're in a situation which uh, could definitely lead to, at least in the short term, uh, some devaluation. Uh, ultimately, long term, you're going to be fine. So that's, I think, uh, if you were going to go on a very, very long horizon, New York, San Francisco will be places uh, to look at. Uh, I think that uh, because of, uh, in our, in, in, uh, well, I think in our estimate, we believe that there's going to be a recession. We're not sure, exactly, there's always a recession, not sure exactly when it's going to be, but in the next four years of the next president, there'll probably be a recession. And so when you look to where to place investments today, number one, what you're going in cap rate, because if the interest rates rise, you need to have a healthy spread. And so we want to be north of a 6% going in capitalization rate. The second is we want to be in sectors where they're recession resistant. So uh, the triple net, single tenant deals, long-term lease helps with regard to that. Necessity-based retail is another area we're focusing on. And the third one is self-storage because in good times and bad times, uh, you have those life-changing events and self-storage holds up well as well. Yeah, those are excellent points. So a question we like to ask all of our guests here, Jimmy. What keeps you awake at night? <laughs> right now, it's the economy. Uh, I, there's no real set uh, trend or, or pattern that you can see. It's up and down. It's so volatile. And at the end of the day, uh, you're trying to make investment decisions. Uh, you're also trying to make decisions about dispositions and positioning your portfolio uh, where there really isn't any clear direction of the economy. And one thing I, I think about is if historically we grew out of recessions 4%. We've been growing around 2%. Uh, if you went from 4% to 2%, cut it in half the growth, I uh, say, well, it's not so bad, it's still 2%. We don't have a huge margin of error right now, and as a consequence, uh, it could be uh, not too uh, difficult to get into a recession. So I think that's the key thing. And then, of course, there's always the things going on around the world uh, that, uh, that you just don't foresee. And, uh, you know, God forbid we have something like September 11th on our shores. What would that do to the overall psyche of the United States? Well, certainly excellent points. Uh, Question number two, uh, we ask all of our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Uh, Well, I I gave some thought about that uh, because you did send me the questions. And one I think is pretty interesting. It's called Prosperity in the Age of Decline. It's by Brian and Alan Ballou. Uh, They are uh, forecasting... Uh, economists. Uh, they have a company called ITR Economics that I actually subscribe to. And what I like about this business, uh, this book, as well as what they do, is they like to take both a short, medium, and long-term view. And in the book, they describe some of the cyclical patterns and the long-term trends. 
and through that, you, there's leading indicators and other things to focus your attention on to help position your investment portfolio along with, uh, through the cycles, along with what the long-term aspect is with regard to uh, the major trends. And right now, there's, there's a number of them they're talking about, but I think that if uh, you want to read something that's pretty thought-provoking because it goes all the way through, they're projecting a big depression in, in the 2030s, and it's actually thought-provoking. Well, thank you. No one has recommended that prior, so uh, thank you very much for, for that. The, the title and the uh, the authors again? Prosperity in the Age of Decline, and it's by Brian and Alan Ballou. Uh, you can order it on uh, Amazon, and Ballou is B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U, ITR Economics. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, Jimmy, give us your website here and contact information if any advisors, CPAs, or investors uh, would uh, have questions and issues and would like to contact you. Okay, our website is www.hampshireco.com. Hampshire is like the state, so it's hampshireco.com. And my contact information is J-E as in Edward Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N, at hampshireco.com. Okay, thank you very much. So, so final words for our listeners here, Jimmy. Well, I think that when you look at it uh, with real estate, there's always a portion of your portfolio uh, that you can really put into an illiquid asset sector. Uh, I know liquidity is always a concern when investing in real estate, but real estate has the ability uh, to both provide growth uh, in terms of if you have a good risk appetite uh, and invest in really good areas to drive good, significant appreciation. And in times like this, there's also the ability to put real estate into stable, long-term leased uh, product uh, that can help to just smooth out some of the volatility that's occurring in the uh, overall public markets today. So, Jimmy, thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking the time out of uh, managing 259 properties in 28 states to spend a few minutes with us here today. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Charlie. So again, we've been talking, listening to Jimmy Hansen, CEO of Hampshire Real Estate Company, companies out of Morristown, New Jersey. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love to hear from you. Info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to strategicinvestorradio.com to hear podcasts of any and all of our previous shows. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. 